Hi, Will. Hey, Tizzy. We've got another one. Here we go. We sure do. And this is a fantastic conversation with Melissa Sutton with the Drowning Prevention Coalition of Arizona. I'm really excited for this conversation because of Melissa's tremendous expertise, not only in the state of Arizona over a long period of time, but also nationally right. in her leadership role with the uh, National Drowning Prevention Alliance. She brings an expertise from local to state to national mm -hmm. that really helps us in thinking about effective coalition structure and activities. Okay, so one thing that you're going to hear in this interview is that Arizona is the longest running statewide drowning prevention coalition. And I know, Tizzy, for you, Arizona was uh, tremendously helpful when uh, you and Tony and others were starting the Washington group. That's absolutely right. And gosh, I kind of thought Washington had the longest oh. running coalition, but I think uh, Arizona's got us beat on that one. And um, yes, we did learn from Arizona with an event called April Pools Day. If you're curious about that and you haven't listened to Tony Gomez's interview yet, Take a listen and you'll learn a little bit more and about how we use that in Washington state. So there's so much learning that we can do together and cross coalitions and cross borders. And that's part of why we're here today. Without further ado, we're gonna turn it over to our interview with Melissa. Melissa, it's great to talk with you today. The Arizona Drowning Prevention Coalition has been a leader in statewide collaboration for decades, and we're excited to learn from your experience. Would you please take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you and your work and how you came to this work in water safety? Yes, thank you. So the coalition's been around since 1989, but I've only been with them for about nine years now. My personal journey started on the beaches of Lake Michigan. I grew up in Traverse City, Michigan, and thought that lifeguarding was the coolest job on the planet. So I got my certification as a lifeguard young at 15 when I could, and then started guarding the beaches of Lake Michigan at 16. And I've just always been, um, you know, obviously a water baby, uh, a mermaid, whatever you want to call it, and was on the swimming and dive team, dove in college. And I think that just naturally translated into wanting to serve in this space. So when I moved back to Arizona, I was actually born here, um, but I moved back in 2000, I quickly stumbled upon the coalition and um, just really appreciated the work that they were doing, especially being in a landlocked state. Mm -hmm. Most people don't realize that it's always been kind of a top four state for drowning numbers. And we're the only ones that do not have an ocean as one of our borders. So very unique situation there. And, you know, certainly backyard pools. So coming from an aquatic environment with swimming and diving, I loved pools. I loved being in them. And it just made me sad to know that um, the drowning rates were that what they were. So in the coalition, I've been able to not only serve as a board member, but also I'm the current past president. My presidency just ended actually fairly recently. This is the first year I am not the president of an organization. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Melissa, just real quick for people listening to you, you've also had um, loads of national experience. Can you quickly touch on some of your work with the NDPA and other groups? 
Yes. So NDPA, I've been with um, a shorter period of time. I've been with them about seven of those years. Um, And again, just recent past president. So that's kind of nice to have been able to be at the helm for a little bit, but pass the gauntlet and uh, baton on to uh, Blake Collingsworth, who's our current president. So yes, the absolute wonderful part of being um, with that group was really getting a great scope of what's happening in the U.S. and certainly on a global scale to help us here in Arizona, but then use our longevity here in Arizona and some of the the, um, successes and failures that we've had to share at the national and global level. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I want to start and zoom in a little bit on the Arizona Coalition. So you mentioned started 1989. Can you um, take us back to what information you can provide about how the coalition was started. Um, what, you know, was there like some initial catalyzing event? And you know, if if you do know, like, what did those early days uh, look like? So, in 1989, representatives from our Arizona Department of Health Services, the Consumer Products and Safety Commission, fire departments, and hospital personnel met and, and is now what has formed um, the Drowning Prevention Coalition of Arizona. Originally, it was the Drowning Prevention Coalition of Central Arizona, which really just focused on the Phoenix area, but we have drownings throughout the state, of course, so we broadened the scope of it. Um, it now comprise, is comprised of parents, health and safety professionals, business leaders, and just concerned citizens. So we still have the core who started us, but it tr- truly has expanded to a community effort. The first undertaking was a barrier law, and we quickly learned that it is audacious, it is um, difficult, and you don't always get what you want. You set out saying, oh, we need these barrier laws and we need them strong, and what you end up with is something not even close to what you were looking for. Now, the barrier law did get enacted in 1990. And we saw a significant drop in our drownings because of it. So that was a win, but we realized quickly that education was more what was our scope of work and we could reach more people, we could have greater impact and we could make a bigger difference by going that route. Super helpful. I want to ask a quick follow-up. You mentioned some of the groups kind of uh, involved in the coalition. Are there any players in the Arizona Drowning Prevention Coalition that uh, might not be like traditionally thought of as water safety? Um, and yeah, who, who are they? Yeah, so we have two um, individuals that have served on a, our advisory board or uh, our board of directors. One was with an organization that you may know called Lazy Boy Furniture in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, they not only helped support us financially, but would provide volunteers. I mean, this was a company that had 500 people and would come out for water safety days and just supported us in so many ways. Like in August, we have Drowning Impact Awareness Month. It's our hottest month of the year. We just change up our messaging. We go from the blue skews and, and hues to purple, just to kind of make a statement like, hey, Yes, we've been talking about this for months, but we need you to take notice because it's still happening and it's really bad this month. So they were really a great help with that. But then we also have uh, Swift Office Solutions. The owner of that company is a gentleman by the name of Ed Swift, who back in the late 80s, early 90s, who was actually a a founding member, just kind of said, why am I hearing about all the drownings happening in Arizona? Why? What's what are what are our numbers? 
not understanding that, you know, CDC had the whiskers program or the state hospital, or I'm sorry, the state health department had, um, you know, their child fatality review numbers, just kind of sort of pulling media reports and reaching out to our fire department. So this is a, a way we track data here that um, a lot of people don't necessarily do because it is, it is different and it's more difficult, but we've got a, a pretty good system in place. So Ed was the one who started that and he keeps it now under children's safety zone. And we get asked all the time for our data, whether it's media requests or, you know, um, total aquatic programming. Um, you know, obviously we supply it to NDPA for their resource center and, and so many other requests come for this particular set of data. Those are such great examples of thinking outside of the box and that uh, you may have a need on a coalition like volunteers or like someone who can work with data that pulls you outside of who you might traditionally look to and you bring in more strengths and assets. Love that. Yes. So on that note, can you talk about how the coalition is organized? So right now we have 13 board members and 13 advisory council members. Our board members are voting members with regard to any requests we get for grants. We are a grant funding agency um, to projects we're going to take on or um, say policy or um, gosh, you know, bylaw you know, all the legal side of things. Our advisory council helps us vote on um, well, they offer advice when we have something come up for vote, whether it's a grant or um, a bylaw change or something like that. They can offer their um, perspective, and and um, it, which is really helpful. It's really kind of actually helped with some of the voting we've done. But they also can vote on our um, board members. Um, that's a, a members at large. Anybody helps us vote for the board members, and which of course they are members at large, and they also help us vote on our awards. One time each year, we have an awards breakfast, which is really great. And I kind of am going to sidebar on this because I think it's really helpful for us. We do so much at the grassroots level, whether it's events, community events, or in schools with our fire um, to, you know, do while they're doing fire safety, we do water safety. Um, but we also have the awards breakfast which that we invite like the governor's office and CEOs of businesses or the fire chiefs, um, the sheriff's department and the actual sheriff himself or themselves. And they are the, obviously the leaders. So it's more of that trickle down effect. So we're, we're doing the community events and then we have the awards breakfast. So we feel like we're getting everybody in between. Um, we're educating the leaders so that they can educate their staff and their, um, you know, forces that are going out into the community. And what's interesting too is the awards breakfast is one of two signature events of ours. We do over a hundred events a year and none of them, but those two are ours. We partner with our community, whether it's an apartment complex through the Arizona Multi-Housing Association, or it's the you know fire departments having some sort of um, safety day. So we go out and attend all of these events and this is how we reach everyone. So you touched a little bit on um, you've got board members, you've got advisory council leads. Um, how, how are other folks more at the grassroots level involved? Um, uh, you know, somebody who's uh, uh, working for a, a city health department or a, an aquatic facility who wants to do some drowning prevention work, how are they incorporated into the coalition? 
So anybody can be a member. Um, we offer memberships and we keep them at very minimum just so that people can participate. I think like $35 gets you a, a basic membership up to $100 for a corporate if you have like a brick and mortar building. Mm -hmm. okay. Families who've lost um, are always free. We always in include them. So we put out information where they can either attend one of our four general meetings a year where we kind of just do a big information dump, whether it's our data and stats or what programs are effective and uh, making an impact or what's coming up um, in, you know, what's happening in the U.S., whether it's legislation that's being written in California, Texas, you know, New Jersey, Florida, just kind of keeping everyone abreast so they can attend the meetings right now. Of course, everything's virtual um, and we've always hybrided them anyway. That's just been something we've always done. So it wasn't that big of a change for us to just say, by the way, we're not meeting in person. We're just online now. Um, and then we invite anyone to come out to the events with us, either to attend the event and just learn about other safety features that are happening or just enjoy the freebies that are being handed out with whoever is putting that on um, or actually be in the booth with us and help us educate the community. And then when we do have events that require volunteers um, to just help, you know, move children along <laughs> or, you know, um, get children off buses, we put those opportunities out to say, here's some opportunities for us to help. But we also cross into other injury prevention areas. We recently just got asked to put information out for a fire and burn walk. Somebody needed to test um, fire um, alarms in homes. And so we put that out to, so we're, we're constantly um, trying to be supportive in all injury prevention areas. And so there's many ways that we engage the community. Um, there's just a few. <laughs> so what are the main outputs or activities your coalition's involved with? You've touched on a few, but if you can summarize those for us. Yeah. So we, again, education, we educate, educate, educate. That's like our biggest thing. However, wherever, if somebody puts in a request, we have, you know, of course, a contact us link on our website saying, Hey, can you come talk to our parent group? Or we have a senior center who needs some information about you know, drowning prevention, whatever it is, we go and educate. Um, we are big connectors. Um, so that's the thing that I feel like we do really, really well is when somebody is looking for a resource, we typically have the right person to call so that it eliminates cold calling. It eliminates that back and forth and just the time it takes to reach the right person. So we're a great uh, community connector. And I think what we do really well too, is we support and collaborate. Again, I mentioned how of those hundred events we, that happen each year, only two of them are ours, but we provide materials, we provide volunteers, we provide funding, um, however that looks, or a speaker. Um, we are constantly just there to support however we can. Um, but I think, so those, those are three um, kind of ways we are involved with the community. Um, I, I kind of want, I want to go into, um, you know, some successes, but I don't want to, to jump ahead. I don't know if that's a question that. Oh, no, let's go there. Though. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go there. Why not? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, so you said uh, education connectors and supported collaborate um, are kind of the, the ways that, you know, you guys uh, are, are acting in the state. How have you done that? Well, what are the big wins? 
um, brag a little bit, be I'm, proud my of, tail be proud is wagging right yeah. now to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Tell us, tell us some of the, the things that you're proud of, um, of Arizona for accomplishing. Yes. So first we have to st- start with framing that one life lost is too many before we go into the next area of success. Um, it breaks my heart every time I hear of any drowning adult pediatric, it doesn't matter. Um, but our drowning rate has continued to drop year after year after year. Now, 2020 is going to be an anomaly, I think, for everyone for a multitude of reasons that we've all identified, I think. But in 1988, when we first started talking about forming, we had a drowning rate, pediatric drowning rate, just start there, pediatric drowning rate of 64.8 per 100,000 kids. That's a big number. In 2015, that rate we had brought down to 8.1 per 100,000 kids. In 2017, we dropped that to 4.4. By 2019, we were sitting at 3.3 per 100,000 kids. Um, Again, 2020 is gonna be interesting once we get those final stats. Um, So we're just going to have to asterisk that year. So I feel like our drowning rate is something we worked hard at to drop um, because we needed to. And that's something we definitely take pride in. So very exciting for there. And then um, who we've involved as partners, kind of, we touched on that earlier, how they're just outside of the box thinking happening here. Uh, We joke that we're the wild, wild west, and we can get away with a lot because of that. Um, but it is, it's truly being willing to work with anyone and listening, being willing to, to have those conversations. Um, and then our curriculum, we have a curriculum in the state and it's tied to the Stewie, the duck book. Um, but, and it's introduced in the ELA programs and ours meets the state core curriculum. We know of a lot of curriculums out there that are kind of just broad stroked. And we always advise that it has to meet your core state core standards. If it doesn't, your districts, your state are just going to toss it out. I'd love to move on to some challenges because uh, every coalition is going to face challenges. And I think for uh, you know, the group in California who's starting out and other groups who will be looking at doing this when the water safety, the national water safety plan is released next year. Um, learning from other groups who have been through some challenges, I think can help prepare us for what to expect and, and maybe help navigate some difficult waters when they come. So can you share with us some of the challenges that the Arizona Drowning Prevention Coalition has faced? Yes. So I think our biggest challenge over the course of the 32 years we've been around um, is egos. <laughs> um, and then certainly kind of the territorial aspect that comes along with it. We've had plenty of people come into the room who felt like they've known everything they can about this space and not being willing to listen or hear, or maybe it was a program that was started by an organization and kind of has um, morphed over time. And they when, wanted to come back to their roots and it must be done this way. And, you know, we've, we've definitely followed, found ourselves in those, those challenges. Um, I think by using grace and courtesy in that t- time and space, it has gotten us 
to where we are today, that we still exist. And then funding. We're scrappers out here. We do so much with so little. It is amazing. If we had funding, um, there would be, again, we'd have a data system, a statewide data system that I'm sure would be up and running and, and wonderful. And we've considered it and we've looked at grants for things like that. Um, but yeah, certainly the funding aspect, there's so much that could be done if, you know, we had more money. And I think that's something that everyone faces. So we're no different, I believe, in, in that respect. So as you think back over these 30 years that the coalition's been in existence, what advice would you have for a newly forming coalition? I would start with keep it simple. It's so, it can be overwhelming and it can seem that way. So, you know, you certainly want to start off with the list of um, people that you feel like should be involved in your state health people, your um fire departments, your hospital systems, you know, there's a list, there's a good list out there of who should be included and but start small, not, you know, if you have a list of 50 people, not all 50 people have to show up. I would say, have that first meeting, see who shows up and start there. That, that's all you have to do. You know, eventually you can get into, you know, the bylaws and all the legalities and do form a 501c3 and, you know, all of that. But um, just have that first meeting and see who shows up in the room and what what skill sets they can bring to the table or where their talents lie. Um, and then, you know, being open to creativity. I think that's what's really helped us in the past, whether it's just, you know, allowing somebody like a lazy boy or a, a Swift Office Solutions to be a part of the conversation or if it's being willing to say, you know what, it's not evidence-based, it, it, there's something to it, let's look into it a little bit more and see um, if there's more to it that we can figure out. Um, and then you're know, being inclusive, which, you know, lends to that. I love your comments on, you know, like you just have to start, like get people in the room and just start. And we've heard that, you know, from, from several other folks is, um, you know, you, you, you got to start somewhere and it's okay if you start small. So yeah, you have to start, be open to, you know, being creative and finding kind of flexible, interesting out of the box solutions. Um, I want to ask you, you know, I think that the Arizona Drowning Prevention Coalition is the longest running coalition around. Is that? That's what we say. It has yet to be contested. Okay, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so on that note, on that note, um, how do you keep this going over the long run? Because I feel like there's so many groups that start and there's this honeymoon period of a year, two years, three years where everybody, it's novel, it's new, everybody's excited. Um, you, you know, I would imagine that you've probably been, um, you know, on some peaks and some valleys over the years. What recommendations would you have for keeping the long view and keeping this going, um, you know, over time? So it's that double-edged sword of it's constantly top of mind here. We, we're always having drownings happening. So, and the, and the media covers it because if it bleeds, it leads, right? It's not about having um, the proactive. They don't, it's rare that we get approached with, hey, let's do a water safety story. They are starting to get better about that. Um, and, and it's because we're feeding it to them. We're like, let's, let's hit this before it, it actually 
ends up in, in somebody losing their life or a non-fatal. Um, so that, that unfortunately, again, and fortunately helps us so that con people are constantly compelled. They feel like there's a need to do something and we should be doing something. Um, and then just trying to keep it interesting. Again, we have four meetings a year for the general public. Anybody can attend, anybody can, um, hop on and join us. And we try and keep the speakers, um, again, because we've been hybriding it for this whole time. We've, we've had, um, gosh, Justin Sumsprott speak to us, um, who's now in Idaho. And we've had CPSC out of Washington, DC, you know, be on the call for us. So we try and keep it relevant and interesting. And when the National Action Plan was launched, that was exciting for people. They felt like they could have a voice in it. And I think it's how you um, storytell it. And I think we do a good job here. We have like Families United who help us share that face behind the incident and the story behind it. And I think that's compelling to people as well and keeps them interested, especially you know, again, I'm going to kind of just go off topic here real quick, but um, Drennan's dreams, Bill Amelia, his story and Drennan's story. I have a 14 year old who is a really good swimmer. And the fact that his 14 year old champion swimmer drowned up until that day, I was like, oh, I got to focus on my little one. I got my, my older one knows how to swim. He's good. No big deal. And it made me who is in this space day in and day out realize that, no, I'm just as much responsible for both of them while we're at the, in the water as I am, you know, for the better swimmer or the non. <laughs> My younger one looks like he's actively drowning when he's swimming. So that's just not good anyway. <laughs> not for long. Not for long. <laughs> Melissa, this has been an amazing conversation and we could easily spend the whole afternoon with you. And we're so grateful for you sharing your time and your expertise with us. We're wondering, is there anything else that you'd like to add as we wrap up our conversation today? I am just so grateful for the work you are doing in this space and this project you're putting together for so many who are in need of it. I know this initially started off as a project for California, but I really see this being for all of the US and you know the globe. It is amazing. So I am so grateful to not only know you, but have been invited to be with you today and share again. Yes, I could go on and on and on. So we're just going to wrap it. And I'm just going to tell you, thank you so much for this opportunity. And if I think of anything that is so amazing and wonderful that we forgot to include in this conversation, I will Give let us you a know. Call. That's right. Yeah. right. <laughs> thank you, Melissa, so much. We're so grateful for you. Oh, thank you, Will. Thank you, cool. Tizzy. You guys are doing amazing things. So thank you. Right, Thanks, Melissa. Care.